The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Today we're going to talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is when you feel like you're faking it, that you're a charlatan and that everyone might find out that you have no idea what you're talking about. Imposter syndrome is something that a lot of authors face. And here's the crazy part. There's a chance it's true. You might be an imposter. Often when you hear people talk about imposter syndrome, they're always quick to tell you that you're not an imposter. And I'm here to tell you that maybe you are and maybe you're not. We're going to talk about how to find out and also what to do about it. Uh, And there's actually some scientific research on this. There's a study. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And uh, to describe the effect, uh, it can be described with a story about a guy named MacArthur Wheeler. It's a famous story. He's a guy who robbed banks uh, with his face covered in lemon juice. And when they arrested him, they're like, how can you see me? And they're like, what are you talking about? And apparently, he knew that you could use uh, lemon juice to uh, as a form of invisible ink. And he thought that if he put uh, lemon juice on himself, that he would be invisible to surveillance cameras. <laughs> he didn't know what he didn't know. He thought he was brilliant. He thought he'd come with the perfect way to rob banks. And in reality, he had no idea what he was talking about. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias where people think they know more than they really know. It's a reproducible effect uh, that you can reproduce in the lab. You can reproduce it in the classroom with certain people. And uh, Dunning and Kruger, the two scientists who kind of discovered this effect, won a Nobel Prize for their discovery. Uh, Just recently, actually, they won this discovery. I feel like the ancients have known about this effect for a long time, but now scientists have put a name to it. Most of us see ourselves as having above average intelligence. Uh, and here's the interesting thing about the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's that it's not just that you know some people think they know more than they know, but it's specifically the people who don't know very much think they know more than what they know. And as people become more of an expert, the more they learn, the more they realize what they don't know. It's the famous story of Socrates who visits the Oracle of Delphi and says, who is the wisest man in Athens? And the oracle tells him, well, it's Socrates. And he's like, how can that be? I don't know anything. And the oracle says, that's one more thing than everyone else knows. So I don't know if that story is actually in Plato or not, but it's a famous story. And it helps illustrate this concept. There's a graph that you can find in the show notes that kind of describes the Dunning-Kruger effect. And we have on one side confidence, how confident somebody is in what they know. And very quickly, as people know something, they go straight up that confidence confidence uh, into what they call the peak of Mount Stupid. And then as they learn more and they become more competent, they fall into the valley of despair where their confidence is less, even though they know more. And then if they continue learning, Dunning-Kruger call this the way to enlightenment. And yes, please forgive the image on Wikipedia that I used to illustrate this graph has a typo in it, which I think is really ironic for this Dunning-Kruger effect. Whoever put this together I did it with a typo. And I will say, I am the king of typos. And I didn't even notice that. My wife did. Uh, So humility, Christian humility especially, is having an honest assessment of yourself. Uh, Claiming to know more than you really know is a form of pride. It's also a way of lying. And lies are the language of the enemy. But claiming to know less 
than you really know, is also a form of pride. It's a false humility, and it's also lying. As Christians, it's important for us to be honest with others and honest with ourselves as to our true abilities. Lying about yourself in a self-deprecating way is lying, and it's exactly the kind of lie the enemy wants you to say in order to mute your influence and silence the change that you could make in the world. Speak the truth, even the truth about yourself. This is really important. Don't pretend to be more than you are. Don't pretend to be less than you are. And don't be a bozo. Bozo is a term that Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computers, used to refer to someone who didn't know that they didn't know what they were talking about. And he was famous for immediately and publicly firing people in meetings (laughs) who he thought were bozos. And his fear was that if he allowed bozos to stay in his company, that Apple would be filled with bozos as bozos hired other bozos because they didn't know that they didn't know what they were talking about. And so here are some bozo warning signs. Bozos can't see past their own story. I think this may be one of the most common warning signs, especially amongst authors. Uh, Your powerful story makes you an expert about you. It doesn't make you an expert on your topic. Everyone is different and every story is different. And I learned this uh, when I was writing my book about dating and relationships. And I was blogging about it as I was going. And so often people would say, I disagree with you. And their whole argument would be their story. And what was interesting is that each one of those stories were different and they were all disagreeing with each other. And in doing research for my book, I surveyed my blog readers and asked them for their story so I could see beyond my personal story and and kind of get an idea of what's happening in society in general, what's happening in the subculture. And we had over 500 people share their stories with us. Uh, and so many, I actually had to have a research team help me cull through the data. We had 300 pages of stories, over 300 pages of stories. And, and I needed that to be able to look beyond my own story. Uh, and I encourage you to do the same. Don't just tell your own story. Tell a bigger story and tell a story that will actually connect with your reader, not just with yourself. Bozos rarely question their own competence. They assume they already know what they're talking about. Uh, bozos think that they're called by God to write and therefore don't need to study the craft of writing. Bozos think that they don't need to read because they already know what they're talking about. And bozos tend to have black and white thinking. The way that worked for them is the only way that will work for others. And this is really unhelpful when you're giving advice. If you're telling somebody you have to do it exactly the way that I did it, it's not helpful. And I, I saw that especially uh, when I back in my days of writing about dating and relationships. So often people would say, you have to do it just the way my wife and I did it, or just the way these famous people did it. And I'm like, that is not helpful. <laughs> that, that is not a scalable solution. And so I encourage you to look in the mirror. No one is born an expert. And you may not be an expert yet, and that's okay. You can always learn more. Paul, who had spent his whole life studying the Bible, had his moment where his life was transformed by God, and then he did not go and start immediately uh, penning epistles. He spent years in obscurity being crafted and molded by God before he started penning his epistles. Don't think your path will be easier or faster than his, because <laughs> he had already done all of that work leading up to it. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and yet even he had to go through that valley of learning, the crucible of education. Now, on the other hand, you may be an expert already who is believing and perhaps even speaking lies about your own inadequacy. Don't 
do it. That is a trap. Because once you start doing that, you'll never escape. If you're lying about your own inadequacy, you can never learn more to escape from that trap You because it's a lie, right? If you already know the knowledge, learning more knowledge won't make the lie go away. Instead, you have to speak the truth. Uh, so let's take a look in the mirror, shall we? Uh, here are some questions that you can use to kind of assess yourself. And even better, you can ask a trusted compatriot their thoughts as well. So how many books do you read on your topic? I encourage you to keep reading books on your topic until you read a book on your topic and you know everything presented in that book. Then start reading books adjacent to your topic to continue learning. Uh, read the academic literature on your topic. Uh, read the Bible for yourself, the actual Bible and not just the commentaries, but also read the commentaries so you can learn from those who've gone before. Completely new doctrines are looked upon with distrust by a lot of Christian communities, and rightfully so. If you have discovered something new that no Christian in the last 2,000 years has discovered, God has shown you something that no one in the last 2,000 years he's shown, maybe it's not from God. <laughs> it, um, because that, that's a big claim to say, this angel from heaven came to me and showed me something new. It's like, hmm, you know, uh, that's, a, that's how cults are started. Uh, I'm going to be careful here, here with my language. Uh, but I, I do want to say that you need to be um, circumspect in your writing. And you need to know the conversation that's happened. Because on a lot of issues of, of faith and of spirituality, there's a conversation happening amongst uh, scholars for thousands of years on some topics. And things have really been thought through. And that doesn't mean you don't have something to add to that conversation. But if you're expecting to show up to that conversation without listening to those who've gone before you, and because you have the answers, that is a dangerous form of pride. And the worst thing that could happen if that's you is that you're successful in your book and people come to follow you into some new weird way of thinking. Another thing I encourage you to do is to listen to feedback of people you have helped. Uh, do you have examples of people who've been helped by your message? Are, are you measuring the results of you know, people who are living the life that you encourage them to live? Are they living better lives? Are they uh, more fruitful or, or whatever it is that your topic is about? Do people tell other people about your expertise? If you're writing fiction, uh, what do people say about your stories behind your back? Uh, social media allows you to eavesdrop, and this can be very telling. It's important to accept the fact that you may be an imposter now, but you can still become an expert in the future. Uh, imposter syndrome is something that you can overcome. In fact, here's how to do it. So how do you become an expert? Number one, read books. <laughs> Once you've read all the books in your topic, uh, you will know more than nearly everyone else on that topic because uh, people nowadays don't have persistence in their reading. They often give up after a book or two, maybe three or four books on their topic, and that's it. I'm like, I encourage you to do more. Read a dozen books on your topic and then read another dozen books on your topic. If you've only read two books on craft, you need to read more books on craft. Uh, and I will say for fiction and nonfiction, for nonfiction, you need to be reading the books on your topic, the people who agree with you, the people who disagree with you. It's one of the things you'll see that the true masters like Lewis, C.S. Lewis, will often respond to the other books that are coming out on his topic, and he will offer rebuttals or sometimes build upon things uh, that others have said or, or say when he agrees with other people. He's definitely, he, his eyes are open and he's reading, and it really informs his writing. Don't think that you're the exception, that you're the one who doesn't need to read books. 
Another thing I encourage you to do is to start a blog. You know, do people find it helpful? Are you able to rank on Google for the answers that people are asking? If people are typing a question into Google, is your blog post presented as the answer? That is an indication that you are becoming an expert. And a blog also gives you an opportunity to kind of work through your thinking in a semi-public place. You're not going to get, you know, a lot of readers on your blog, especially at the beginning. But as you blog more and as you get more traffic, you will get more feedback and your commenters will hone your writing. They'll say what they like and what they dislike. They'll, they'll give you feedback. I got a negative piece of feedback on my last episode, and you know what? It was valid. I actually went in and edited the show notes because uh, the uh, person giving the critique had a good point. And this is like my 400th some odd episode of podcasting to record, and I'm still needing that feedback. I'm still being honed. I still have a lot to learn. Uh, speaking of podcasts, another way to become an expert is to listen to podcasts. Uh, listening to podcasts is a wonderful companion to reading books because it allows you to learn from experts who have not written a book for whatever reason or have not yet written a book. And it also allows you to hear the current conversation today. So uh, one of the challenges and one of the great things about books is that you're able to get the conversation for the last 2,000 years or the last 3,000 years on a topic up to today. But most books haven't come out very recently, right? And and when they do come out, there's often a couple of year lag. Most podcasts come out in a much more rapid clip. And so you can be up to date with the current year's conversation on your topic. And it's just a really great way uh, to learn. But I don't need to tell you that you're already listening to a podcast. Uh, another way to do it is to start a podcast. This is another great way to build your expertise because it allows you to interview experts and learn from them directly. <laughs> and you can learn things that maybe you can't find in their books. Uh, an expert who would never agree to have a 30-minute conversation with you may totally agree to have a 30-minute interview with you on your podcast. <laughs> and so now suddenly you have access to all these additional brains uh, that you can pick. And then finally, consult. Uh, if you can coach other people into having good results, into having the life transformation that you've had, right? You're advocating for something in your book. You're like, God has done this great work in my life. And if you're like, well, here are people that I've showed them how to do this and they've had the same results, that really makes a difference. And this is one of the reasons why pastors are so successful in Christian publishing. You'll notice that the best-selling books in nonfiction, almost all of them are by pastors. You'll have two or three that are by like influencers at any given time if you look at like the top 10, but probably six or seven of the top 10 are written by pastors. And it's because they have this huge advantage of being able to counsel the people in their congregation and see if the counsel works. This helps them learn faster. It helps them get beyond their own story and tell the bigger, greater story, the story of the body of Christ and not just the story of the one cell. Uh, and then another thing is to find out who you are an expert for. Uh, you don't know everything and you can't help everyone. And so knowing who you're an expert for is really helpful. Uh, my wife and I talk a lot about best practices when teaching our toddler. This is a, a holdover from the days when we used to work together in the corporate world. And just a few days ago, our daughter was holding her fork backwards. She's very excited about using a fork and she has no idea how to do it. She sees us use forks and we make it look effortless. And when she tries to use a fork, it's a disaster. Why? Because she's holding the 
fork backwards. She's trying to put her body into a pretzel position in order to get the fork to her mouth. And by the time she does it, there's no food on the fork any, anymore. So my wife's like, Mercy, that is not a best practice. So she takes the fork out of her hand and puts it back in the correct way. And my daughter's like, aha! She, it's like enlightenment. Like the angels are singing. The light has come out. And she goes from getting 0% of the food in her mouth to getting 10% of the food in her mouth. And that is a huge improvement. Of course, the other 90% is still on her face or on the floor. You know, the, she's, she's learning, but she's making progress. And knowing how to hold a fork correctly is something you already know. You take it for granted. My wife takes it for granted. I take it for granted. But for a toddler, it's a groundbreaking insight. As far as my daughter is concerned, my wife is gifted with divine knowledge and insight. And you may be surprised that there's a community out there that will look at what you know the way my daughter looks at what my wife knows. A lot of being an expert is knowing who you're an expert for and knowing who you're an expert not for, right? Uh, Paul was specifically prepared to go to the Gentiles because he'd grown up in a Gentile city, right? He didn't grow up in Jerusalem where he was only surrounded by Jews. He grew up in the Roman Empire. He was a Roman citizen. He had a lot of contact with Gentiles and Gentile culture. He's able to quote their holy books, which was a preparation that Jesus didn't have. Jesus didn't spend a lot of time with Gentiles that we know of. We don't know if he even went inside of a Gentile home. He almost certainly never ate with a Gentile. Um, you know, he kept kosher and he was a true Jew in that way. And yet Jesus trusted that God was going to raise up Paul to go to the people that Jesus wasn't going to himself. Uh, and all of the others over the last 2,000 years, between then and now, who went to all of the other places, right? Jesus didn't go to, to the Russians. He didn't go to America. Someone else brought the gospel. Uh, and different people spoke those different languages and brought the gospel to those different cultures. No one person is able to take it everywhere. So we've talked about how to become an expert. And obviously, there's a lot more to becoming an expert than this quick summary. But hopefully, this kind of gets you pointed in the right direction. But I'd also like to speak briefly about how to be seen as an expert, because there's a difference between being an expert and being seen as an expert. As King Solomon once said, some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. And I think this is true, not just with money, but also with knowledge. So how do you be seen as an expert? Well, the first thing you should do is admit what you don't know. Be honest with others about what you do and do not know, who you can and cannot help. Uh, this is not just important for Christian humility. It's also a best practice in the secular world. And you'll notice that secular experts are often trained to do this. Doctors and lawyers are quick to point out when they're talking about an area outside of their specialty. If you ask a criminal law lawyer a question about copyrights, the first thing he'll point out is the fact that he's not an intellectual property lawyer. If you ask a cardiologist about your foot, the first thing he'll say is that she's not a podiatrist. <laughs> this actually enhances their credibility because when they do speak inside their area of expertise, you're more likely to believe them. Uh, another way to be seen as an expert is to have other experts speak well of you. Trust is something that one person can extend to another person. If my pastor speaks well of you, I'm much more likely to think well of you. And the woman at the well ran to her town of Samaritans and uh, told them, come see this man who told me everything I'd ever done. And she extended to him trust, right? They didn't know who he was, but since she was vouching for him, they were curious. Uh, so how do you get other trusted people to speak well of you? How do you get other experts to speak well of you? You spend time with them 
in real life <laughs> so you can get to know them and they can get to know you. This is uh, the one reason why writers' conferences are so valuable for writers. There's a belief that if you just write a really good book, you can send it to experts, they'll read it, and if they like it, they'll endorse it. And that's not how it works. The reason why people uh, read a book is to see if they won't endorse it. So if they're, you send a book to an expert, if you know them, and they trust you, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll probably endorse your book, but let me read it first just to be sure. I don't know anyone who, who uh, that's you know notable that could extend to you the trust that they've built up who has time to read dozens and dozens of books that are sent to them hoping for a blurb, hoping for an endorsement. That's not how it works. They, they endorse the people that they know in real life. So you want to spend time with them in real life. It doesn't have to be at a writer's conference. It could be somewhere else, but those relationships, those human-to-human relationships are really important. Uh, another way to be seen as an expert is to go on a podcast tour. And we've talked a lot about this on the podcast, but guesting is a great way to raise your status in the eyes of others. And it's also a great way to get the word out about whatever you're working on, your book potentially, and to build a platform and to connect with other trusted people. Another way to do this is to write a good bio. <laughs> Describe yourself in a compelling and interesting way. And we actually have an entire episode about this on my other podcast, Novel Marketing. Uh, James L. Rubart, uh, my co-host when we recorded this episode, had some really good insights on how to write a good bio. Uh, another way to be seen as an expert is to write a book. <laughs> so uh, you already know this, but writing a book on a topic is a great way to make you look like an expert. But I should point out here that this is the final step. Now, you have to have already completed the earlier steps, building those relationships, helping those people, building your expertise, and, and the book comes out of that as a culmination of a, min, a fruitful ministry. It's not the beginning of your ministry. If you think that you have to finish your book before God will give you a ministry, you don't understand how this ministry works. You need to minister to the people right in front of you. And it's like Paul saying that he can't start ministering until he starts writing epistles. That's not, he was preaching right away. <laughs> I think he was preaching the very next day. He was blind and like the very next day he's preaching the gospel to, to in, in public, right? He, he's proclaiming what he knows. Uh, you can do that now. Don't wait for some agent or some editor to give you permission to start serving the almighty God. That's not their job. And don't give them that authority in your life. If God has called you to minister to a group of people about a group of topics, Topic, about a specific topic, you'd better minister to that group of people about that specific topic and don't let anyone get in your way. You be obedient to the mission and the calling that God has on your life. Don't forget who you are. God formed you in your mother's womb. He made you in his image. God gave you your passions and desires for a reason. His Holy Spirit is shaping you and making you more like him. And the areas where you are weak are the places where he will show himself to be strong. God is making you into who you need to be to do what he has called you to do. Don't throw mud on his masterpiece by pretending to be something other than what you are. If you're an eye, celebrate your sight. If you're a foot, rejoice in your speed. And don't forget who God is. God will give you everything you need to do everything he's called you to do. If there are giants in the land, he may not kill the giants, but he will give you the courage to defeat them. If there's knowledge that you need, he'll give you opportunities to learn. He's a good father and he knows what he's doing and he knows how to fill our broken jars of clay with his spirit. Uh, I'm sorry if I got a little preachy 
uh, with this episode. Uh, believe it or not, this uh, episode topic was originally intended to be a novel marketing episode because the imposter question uh, came from one of the novel marketing patrons, actually, who, who brought it up in our patrons-only bonus episode. And uh, I ran out of time because of the new baby. I needed an episode for the Christian Publishing Show. And so I started reworking it and... Um, Anyway, the the preachy stuff got a little out of hand, so do forgive uh, do forgive me. And if you're if you're wanting more help with this, though, I will say that we have a wonderful course uh, with the Christian Writers Institute called "Prepare Your Heart to Be a Writer." And give yourself a God based anchor for whatever comes your way. How much time and money have you spent chasing your dreams to be a writer? Don't spend another minute or cent until you know that your dream really is from. God. This course is by Karen Ball and Aaron Taylor Young, and it is a great way to kind of examine your heart and work through uh, the spiritual elements of, of getting right with God, <laughs> almost repenting in a sense, and, and preparing yourself spiritually for this epic journey of writing a book. And as always, you can save 10% at checkout if you use the coupon code podcast or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.